A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like the After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download the Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 110 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode in store today. And with me, as always, my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud? Not too much, man. Just uh, watching the Braves and Padres game right now, Sunday Night Baseball, and getting ready to talk some baseball. So can't get much better than that. Yeah, absolutely. My, my Red Sox won earlier today. I think it was what eight to one had a six run explosion late in the game to open it up there. So Red Sox are, eh, I think we're at five and four at this point. It's been a very up and down first uh, week and a half for the Red Sox, obviously, but it's glad to have baseball back in full swing and a lot of fun early season stuff to talk about here today. We've got some major league stuff, some prospect stuff, some dynasty stuff, always good little mix here today. Uh, but before we get into all that, the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for plenty of live prospect video throughout the season. We already got some of our early season looks up there over the last week or so. So go check those out. And of course, we'll have plenty more on the way throughout the season. I will have a lot of looks at you know Jake Room, Brayon Bayo, and some uh, Mets top prospects like Alvarez and Beatty and Mauricio this week as Binghamton comes here to Portland for six games starting on Tuesday. So be on the lookout for those. And Chris has who you said you got some Winston Salem coming to Winston town this Salem. week as well. The okay. Almighty White Sox prospects. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just check check that out throughout the season. We'll have a, a ton of video up there. Wh- whoever we see, whenever we see them. We'll get it up there quickly so you all can take a look at that. But let's get right into this week's episode. Like I said, we get a really full docket today. So much that we had to really take a couple of segments and put them onto a, another show. So we'll have three shows this week. Try, try to make up for not having two shows last week because our schedule just didn't quite work out later in the week for that second episode. So we will have three this week. Let's get right into it here. Some MLB news and notes. A lot of hitters off to pretty good starts. But most importantly, C.S. Suzuki 
has been absolutely, you know, just better than you know expected. Like there was already pretty high expectations for him coming over this year, obviously, but I think he's like blown through them all so far. His first nine games, he started eight of them, seven runs, ten hits, four home runs, eleven RBI, and nine walks, just showing that great approach that he had uh, in, in Japan, plus power, run production. No steals yet, but that was kind of the one thing that we both were like, you know, maybe the steals won't be there. But in terms of with the bat and at the plate, it's just been absolutely almost as a perfect start for him to his major league career. Yeah, he's been really, really impressive. And, you know, you look at on a barrels per plate appearance standard, and he ranks second in baseball just behind Giancarlo Stanton. A barrel per plate appearance rate of 17.1%. Pretty darn impressive there. You go to just batted ball events, however, he actually ranks first, 5% ahead of John Carlos Stanton. And we know Stanton just scorches baseball. So Suzuki's been doing a lot of things well. He's been just hitting baseballs, you know, extremely well. And the results are there. And, you know, I really regret not having more of him. I know it's a Me small too. sample that we're talking, but God, he's been just really special so far. He's, you know, ideal launch angle, sweet spot. Percentage of 58.8% so far, you know, just doing everything well as a hitter. And you got to love it coming over here, new country, new place, new team, and just really taking off. So Suzuki's one that I think is on the rise. Man, I, if this sustains, like, I think in May, he's going to be like a top 50 dynasty guy. I was, just, I've been trying to think of that. Like, where do I see him kind of getting to in dynasty rankings? Like, before he even had any play appearances in the major leagues. I think he came in right around 150 for me. That's where like, I initially put him in my dynasty rankings. I felt pretty good about that. But yeah, right now he's already up. I already see my adjusted rankings. I moved him up to, I have him at 106 right now. And that's just after, you know, the first week and a half of games so far. And yeah, I definitely think he can move up even higher because it's looking at what he, even if he's only a handful of seals, you know, I think we both are like, oh, maybe five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. I still think he can get there. You know, was, if we expect, you know, five, six steals, but maybe this is a 30 homer bat. Just a, you know, a good hitter's park in Wrigley Field. That lineup is actually pretty solid, you know, all the way around him. So we could be looking at a guy that hits 270, 280, really good OBP. He could flirt with a 400 OBP, 30, maybe 30 home runs, 100 RBI, 90 runs, something like that in that ballpark absolutely would put him pushing top 50 if he does that plus he's only what is his age he's like 27 and a half years old so still you know he's not he's an older guy coming over from japan like his early 30s he's still in his physical prime so you can see a next half decade of really good numbers from cs suzuki so yeah top 50 especially in obp league so we get a nice little bump there as well obviously he's a good average asset too so yeah definitely very impressed with C.S. Suzuki so far. Another player that's really impressed me, and, and thankfully because I had a decent amount of shares of him this year, C.J. Crone. And I put out a tweet earlier looking at what Crone has done since he came over to Colorado at the beginning of 2021. And this was going into today's games, Sunday's game, excuse me, when we're recording. His slash one since the beginning of 2021, 284, 373, 553, 33 home runs, 102 RBI, 77 runs, 393 Woba, 268 ISO, and a 133 WRC+. plus. How those rank among qualified first basemen? Average, sixth OBP, sixth slugging, second, only behind Vlad Jr., of course. Woba, third, ISO, sixth, 
WRC plus tied for sixth, home runs seventh, RBI sixth, and then runs was the only one that's not really that high at 14th. You know, I, I'm wondering, you know, obviously we have that distinguished top four for Dynasty First Basin right now, where we have Vlad Jr., Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Pete Alonso. And then you get to this, you know, start getting to the older guys, you know, like Goldie and Abreu. And all, then you, throw, you could throw obviously Torkelson into that mix as well, Andrew Vaughn, some of the younger guys. But at least for the time being, I can see Crone being, you know, at least through his time in Colorado, he's there through at least the end of next season. And he's he signed a two year deal before this year. So he'll be there through 2023. You, I think you could see him push top five at this position for the next couple of years. What do you think, Chris? It's possible. I mean, you look at that tier at the top, and then after that, you can go a lot of different directions. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that was the tier I was drafting a lot of during draft season, the the Josh Bell, Reese Hoskins, and CJ Crone range. And Crone's obviously been one of the better of the bunch here. Looked really good. And you, you mentioned the numbers, and he's been stellar since going to Colorado. It's definitely a bat that can hit 300, and there's 30 home runs in the bat for sure, which is really special, I think. You, you look, and right now, I mean, the big four after that, it's anybody's game. And long-term, obviously, Torque, I think, gets that fifth spot, or he's in the top five at least. And then it could go a lot of ways, like I mentioned. So I don't see why C.J. Crone couldn't bump up there for at least this year. You know, everything looks good under the hood, looking at you know, stat cast data as well. You know, you look at his average exit velocity, and it's not great at 87.6. Again, it's still early. It's 27 batted ball events. But on his average on line drive and fly balls – has been really good at 97.2. So you know, when he's getting the ball in the air, he's hitting those really, really hard. So everything looks pretty good to me. And this is what we saw last year. It's just continuing at a little higher level. So, yeah, I'm all in on C.J. Crone. I think that he's one that you know is just highly underrated. You can probably go get him in a trade for pretty cheap right now and you know, not pay full value and him return you know, much higher value than, than you actually expect. Who would you rather have next two years, him or Jose Abreu? Crone. I think Abreu's on the downturn. So, yeah, agreed. I, I'd, I'd lean Crone. Same here. Yeah, definitely love CJ Crone. So, I have several shares of him, including in Dynasty League. So, very happy to see him. You know, he did go over four today, but still, he's tied for the major league lead in home runs right now with five with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's a great start of the season for him. Another one, real quick, we'll mention here from the Colorado Rockies off to a very good start. Connor Joe, he was a very popular, kind of a trendy sleeper late round pick back in spring training. And then Colorado signed Chris Bryant. And everyone was like, oh no, like what happens to Connor Joe? So he kind of, you know, was faded a little bit just because of the playing time, you know, concerns. But hey, he's played basically every game so far. He's at least let off uh, against lefties, which has been, they face a lot of lefties so far to his advantage. And he had another. Two hit game today, single, double, and a walk on a base three times. Two home runs and a steal so far. You know, he's hitting 361, 465, 667. Are you buying into Connor Joe uh, moving forward in Dynasty, Chris? I know he's a little older, 29 years old, for a guy to really be establishing himself as a major league player. Actually, he just turned 30, excuse me. But you know, some of the metrics under the hood, like one I, I noticed was last two years, he crushes fastballs. 363 average against fastballs last year, 450 against them this year, but against breaking pitches and off-speed pitches, he's been obviously 200 or less. So some red flags there, but overall, a lot of good things from Connor Joe. Yeah, and he's one, you know, this happens more often than not, especially with Rockies players because they don't bring up their prospects. So they're a little older when they 
debut. <laughs> but yeah, Sam Hilliard has not been good and he's not been playing. And Garrett Hampson has not been good. He's not been playing. So it's opened up this spot here for for Joe to play pretty much every day. And it's been to his benefit. I mean, he's been been very solid. So I think that it was warranted that you know, post-hype sleeper type guy. And he looks exactly who he's been. I don't think he's going to continue to hit this high of average, but I do think he can hit for a solid average thanks to course field, giving that a little boost too. And he's going to, he's got some pop in the bat. So he's on the rise and another one, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, Joe has a lot of name value and like, I feel like CJ Crone doesn't. So it's interesting, but I still think you can get him at a pretty decent price. So for me, like he's one that you can go out and get fairly cheap. And I think that, It'll pay off. He you know, he doesn't chase very often. He doesn't whiff very often. The strikeout rate is is fine. It's not too high. He walks at a high clip, and you know, he's going to provide a lot across the board. So you know, I'm I'm on board with, with. Yeah, as am I. And you mentioned that that approach. You know, since he kind of started getting full time at bats last year, the K rate's been right around twenty percent. Walk rate right around like twelve and a half to thirteen percent. Thirteen point two this year. He's hitting the ball harder this year. Forty five point eight percent. Barrel rate has been eight to you know eight to ten percent each of the last two years. So like, he's not a guy that's going to be a star, but like you see twenty plus home runs, maybe five to ten steals, uh, good amount of runs scored. He's going to be hitting lead off, you know, at least half the time. Uh, yeah, so I can see this a really solid all around profile for sure. So I'm definitely buying into Joe. I think both these guys are good buys right now, especially for a win now team. Obviously, if you're a rebuilder, you know, a Connor Joe or CJ Crow might not you know fit your your team that well, but especially if you're a contender and you're, you just need a couple of other pieces to help get you, you know, get you up into, you know, top two, top three, whatever. You know, both these guys are definitely very good targets. I'm moving over to a younger player here. That's been very, very impressed at the start of the season. Jesus Sanchez of the Miami Marlins off to a pretty scorching start. You know, he's still not walking a bunch, but 60, keeping the K rate down 16.7%. Got a couple home runs, 343 average, 657 slugging. How impressed have you been by Jesus Sanchez so far, Chris? He's been good. You know, the the still the thing in the back of my head is that he just doesn't walk, but you know, we can live with that. The strikeout rate is down significantly in the small sample, so that's certainly good to see. If he can just continue to not chase pitches as much, you know, it's, he's down about 5% last year. Chase rate, the zone contact is up a little bit. So overall, you see those numbers, the contact numbers improving and you hope that those can stick. But the swing and miss is, is still a little bit of a concern here. But overall, you, know, you got to like what he's doing. He's you know been one of the hottest hitters over the last week, a young guy that many like to break out. So it's a good sign here to see these things coming about. You know, he hits the ball hard and consistently hard at that. And with the contact increasing, you know that's going to play to his benefit. And interestingly enough, while yeah, it's a little early to quote these kind of things, like you, know, you see a 343 batting average and you're like, okay, well, that's definitely coming down. His XBA is actually 358 too, so that's uh, encouraging to see that that high XBA there and good hard hit rate. You know everything across the board looks really good for him. The launch angle is a little low, just hitting a few too many ground balls. If he can ele- when he elevates, he he goes deep, like just he's got that kind of power. So he needs to uh, continue to just elevate the ball a little more. But yeah, I do think that he'll be fine, and he's looking the part and one that could really move up. You know, dynasty rankings especially. Yeah, and he's also a 300 career hitter in the minor leagues. Am I expecting him to hit 300 in the major leagues? No, but I think he could be 270, 275 in that range. I just 
don't think the speed's going to be there. He showed a little bit of speed in the minor leagues, but he's probably a guy that only adds in, you know, a few every year. But I was kind of thinking this earlier, you know, when I was doing some writing today that I don't see a massive gap in the profiles of Jesus Sanchez and someone like Eloy Jimenez. Tell me where the huge difference is between those two. Chris. That's fair. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're they don't walk often. They've shown they can hit for average and they have big power. Yeah. So and obviously you look at any dynasty rankings out there, you'll probably see even even my own and probably Chris's as well, I'm assuming, you'll probably see a pretty sizable gap in their rankings. Like Eloy is top fifty basically everywhere, and Sanchez not in the top one hundred, but I think as time goes on, especially this year, you can see that gap close. And, you know, maybe not necessarily Eli going down a lot, but Sanchez going up. So this is a 30 homer bat uh, for sure. If you can get the ball in the air consistently with a, you know, solid average and maybe you get a couple of steals. But I think you're going to see him push top 50 by the end of the year and be right up there near Eloy and Austin Riley and a bunch of other, you know, 270, 30 homer types. So definitely love Hazel Sanchez moving forward here for sure. Another young player that is maybe finally getting there. Gavin Lux has started to heat up with consistent playing time following the AJ Pollock trade. Is Gavin Lux back? Should we buy back in to Gavin Lux, Chris? Or is this just something where we're bound to be disappointed soon? <laughs> I don't want to be disappointed, but <laughs> I, I don't he, either. I know, he does look the part for sure. And he's you know, putting more balls in play. He's hitting balls hard. He's striking out less. Like, all these things are very positive signs in the early return here. So the everyday playing time is something that I thought that he needed to succeed. But even when he got it last year, it didn't really benefit him much. One of the biggest things this year with him is that he's really being more selective. He's, he's waiting on his pitch. His swing rate's down about 10% from last year. And the chase rate is also down about 8%. He's, just, he's chasing out the zone just 12.9% of the time, which is really, really good. And even when he does, so his his ozone or out of zone contact is a hundred percent, which is you know really impressive. Actually, he's not swinging at the first pitch. That's that's really what's noticeable. You look at you know his career; he was right around thirty percent for first swing, first pitch swing, and this year he's just at seventeen percent. Small sample, but if that can stick, I think that's really the biggest thing. He hasn't been too passive, but he's been waiting more on his pitches to hit, and the early returns have been really good. So you know everything's kind of up across the board as you would have expect. And hopefully those things stick because he's hitting the ball really hard and consistently hard at that. So maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe Lux is finally putting it all together. You know, this is what we've hoped for for a long time. And while it's just a you know 10 day sample, we're hoping that this is something that can stick for him. I really hope so. Cause I've always been a Gavin Lux guy. We both have, and this is look, looking like it might be finally be the season. So that uh, window, the buyback into him is going to be closing pretty quickly. Let's just hope that this, he's so he continues to get that playing time moving forward. And Roberts doesn't put him back on the bench or in a platoon or something yeah. here. Cause obviously that could definitely happen. We've seen that happen before. So definitely as of now, the arrow is pointing back up for Gavin Lux. One last hitter here on the docket, Alex Kirilov. A is injured again. B was terrible before he got injured, but I assume the injury played into it. He was dealing with some or is dealing with some inflammation in that surgically repaired right wrist that he had surgery on last year. So that's not good. You, you Always the hope when you have surgery is that whatever the issue was, 
it's going to be once you and once you heal back up that it's going to be behind you, right? It's not going to get re-injured. That's always the hope. So that he's already got inflammation and soreness in that wrist. He had a cortisone shot a couple of days ago. He's, he got put on the ten day IL. We'll see how he's going to be out for at least a few weeks. We'll see how long. I think they want to see how that cortisone injection, if that helps with the, all the inflammation that he has. But this is not good that he's had so many injuries early on, especially to that wrist that could really hamper his power moving forward here. So if you had Kirloff and Dynasty, obviously selling right at this second is not ideal because of the injury, but would you be looking to move him eventually once he gets back and establishes some value? Yeah, I don't think he's one to to sell now, but I think he's probably a couple years away from from peak value. So, you know, if he did come back and was providing a decent return, he may be one to, to flip. And you know, that's not always the most popular thing to do. But you look at overall what's what's going on in his profile and it just doesn't look that great and obviously the injuries the lingering wrist injury is is not ideal so i don't know i i, I do like him long term and i do think that he's one that can be a solid player but right now it's just really hard for me to buy into him with everything that's been going on so i wouldn't sell him because you're going to be selling it like rock bottom value but i would say that if he comes back and you know has a hot week or two then you may look to flip him because I think that you, there's a certain time and place when when you need to cash out on peak value, and that's not right now. And you've probably missed the peak value currently, but, but with a lot of players like this, the values are going to go up and down and up and down. So I do think that he'll be back at some point and providing decent value. But yes, I'm I'm kind of one that's looking to to trade him. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I still like the talent. Like, I think he could be one of the best pure hitters in baseball, a guy that could flirt with 300 seasons annually. But how much is his power affected by all these wrist injuries? And maybe he's more of a 20 home run guy. Maybe So maybe he's more like Michael Brantley than, I don't know what a better comparison would be. But yeah, more of like a 20 homer guy as opposed to 25 to 30, which I kind of thought he could be. Uh, so yeah, definitely has some concern. Would you, you know, three years from now, Chris... Who do you think is being drafted higher, Kirilov or Andrew Vaughn? I would say Vaughn. I'm a lot more confident in Vaughn at this point. Yeah. I, I, if Kirilov was like 100% healthy, I still might lean Kirilov because I think he's a, a better pure hitter than Vaughn. But Vaughn has been actually very impressive this year, even though LaRusa is, you know, off his rocker and is like, oh, let's bench him for Gavin Sheets or whoever else he wants to throw into that lineup on a daily basis. So he only has 25 plate appearances so far. He's been in the lineup the last few days, thankfully. But yeah, 10.5% barrel rate for Vaughn so far, 63.2% hard hit rate. You know, K rate's down, walk rate's still about 8%, hitting 348 with a couple of ding-dongs so far. So 652 slug as well. Obviously, he's very small sample size, but Vaughn's looking very good so far, thankfully, because I've really been hoping that Vaughn would be able to get into that lineup full-time. I just don't think LaRusso is a good manager for that team. I've said it time and time again, they need a younger manager that can really bond with that team that young team they have is they, you know, potentially be an annual contender every year. So get LaRusa out of there. But yeah, definitely Vaughn is back on the rise for sure. Uh, let's move over to the pitching side of things. A lot of really fun and interesting pitching performances so far. Let's start in the AL East with Alec Manoa. Had another good start today against Oakland. Six innings, two earned runs, and six strikeouts. Do you think, you know, especially with how some of the, you know, we had some injuries here with the bigger names and some poor performances like from Freddie Peralta, who we'll get into later in the episode. Do you think that Manoa is a top fit, like a fantasy ace moving forward, Chris? I do, actually. I, I think that he's got all the makings of that, and I thought that he was one that could kind of vault into that territory this year. 
And in the small sample, it it really looks like that that's a real possibility. The one thing I'd really like to see him use his slider more. He's down a little bit from last year. It's 24% of the time. He does mix four pitches well, but man, his slider is just so stinking good. But I guess, you know, his four seam has not allowed a hit all year. So that's pretty impressive too. He's got a 41% whiff rate on the four seam. So when you combine those two, the, the four seam and the slider, it's you know, elite. And obviously he goes to the sinker sometimes to get ground balls. And then the changeup too, man. The changeup's been a really good pitch this year. He throws the changeup almost exclusively to uh, left-handed hitters. But you look at the results on it, a 57% whiff rate is really, really good. And he did a similar thing last year where he pretty much threw the changeup just to lefties, you know, and it and it did work well, but the whiff rate obviously up significantly from last year. So overall, yeah, I think the arsenal is there for him to be that ace. The walks are obviously a little bit concerning to me. He's going to have to get those down. He was hovering on a high range last year, and this year he has just kind of exploded with walks. He's got away with it, but still the walks are are a little high. But overall, he, he's pitching how he is with a high walk rate. I do think that comes down. I think this is a, a, some small sample noise here, but I do think Manoa has all the makings to be a high-end starting pitcher for fantasy purposes. Yeah, and I think he looked a, a bit better with his command and control in today's outing. Yeah, it was just Oakland, but surprisingly, Oakland has a good offense this year. I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, it's like some voodoo magic they got going out, out there in Oakland. But, yes, it was just Oakland, but he looked definitely better command-wise in this start than he did in his last start. But, yeah, look at – he threw – only threw five change-ups today out of his 84 pitches, threw 35 sliders, 26 four-seamers, and 18 sinkers. Had a – with rate of 39% or higher on the slider, four-seamer and sinker, overall 40% whiff rate in today's outing, 33% CSW. So, yeah, definitely liking what I see from Alec Manoa so far. Only a 1.50 ERA and 0.92 whip through his first two starts. He's got six innings in each start. Would you like to see that? I thought he'd be a guy that can go 180, 200 plus innings. He's got that workhorse frame. Uh, 6'6", 285, just really strong guy. Definitely very impressed by him so far. And, yeah, I would like to see you know that changeup. He, he was more today in his first start, which is definitely encouraging. Uh, so hopefully we see, we see that continue because that slider is absolutely filthy for sure. Uh, another pitcher here, staying on the East Coast, Jesus Luzardo. Yes, this is why Chris, myself, many other fantasy analysts out there were telling you, don't give up on Jesus Lazardo. I know everyone's like, well, look at the stats last year. They sucked. Uh, yeah, I get that. ERA was like, what, six point something. I know. It was terrible. But look at that last start last year where he came. I think it was like, what, 12 and five and a third or something like that. And then he looked pretty good in spring training this year. And that first start, he was absolutely dominant. He was throwing this curveball. Uh, oh, I think it was over 50% of the time in that start, and he got like a 92% whiff rate or something insane on that. It was just everything we had hoped and then some from Lizardo. So I bumped him way back up my my rest of season starting pitcher rankings that I put out every Saturday on Fantrax HQ. I think you could see him be a top 25 arm rest of the way. I don't think that's too crazy. What do you think, Chris? No, no I think so too. And it, it seems it feels like it's been a decade since he pitched and had that excellent start. <laughs> I, don't I do think he's going tomorrow. I'm almost certain that he's pitching tomorrow. So we'll get to see him again. Uh, let's see who he matches up with. 
tomorrow. It must be Tuesday because I don't think they play tomorrow, actually. Anyway, yeah, so he's been pretty much a week between starts. So hopefully he'll be all right. He's facing, yes, he's pitching Tuesday against the Cardinals. But, yes, this is everything that we wanted to see from Jesus Lizardo and the reason that, especially with pitching prospects, that growth is not linear. Like, it's so rare for these guys to come up and just dominate right off the bat. But now with what we're seeing, the returns have been really good. I hope that Lazardo will continue to throw the curveball the most. You know, he threw it 50% of the time in the last outing. Hopefully he does that again because I think that that's a huge recipe for success here. You know, I had a 92.3% whiff rate. I think that was 12, uh, 13 swings and 12 whiffs, if I remember correctly. I believe so, yeah. Really dominant. And this, again, goes to show you the how much a velo can benefit you and Lazardo's velo is up significantly and it was in the spring and it held into last start his four team average 97 six which was a huge benefit too where he had a 27.3 percent whiff rate last year that was a sub 20 percent whiff rate pitch that had a 348 batting average against so yes it looks good I think that he mixes the changeup back in he threw it just twice but last year he threw it 20% of the time, and that's a really good pitch too. So you see what he did, and he had those 12 strikeouts in five innings of work, and he didn't even throw one of his best pitches. So I'm all about that, and I think he's got a good matchup with the Cardinals, and hopefully he performs again. Now, the expectations should be tempered. We're not expecting him to go out and shove and throw you know, six innings of one-run ball with 10-plus Ks again, but – if he comes out and he throws five or six innings with with a two with two runs allowed and you know seven eight strikeouts like that's a huge win I think. Wait, so you're saying you don't expect a ninety two point three percent whiff rate on the curveball every start, Chris? <laughs> I wish, man, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm right, I'm right there with you. I, I, I think he could definitely be top twenty five rest of the way. And I think to get to there, I think if he can throw like a three 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 four ERA. 27, 28% K rate, that'll get you a top 25. That's right in that ballpark. And I think that's very possible. And and who knows? Maybe you know, I don't I don't know if that using the changeup twice was just a you know game plan for that one particular start, but we've talked about how well Miami does with you know changeup development. Maybe they maybe that was one of their things. Like, all right, maybe you throw the changeup less this year. That's something I'm, I'm at least keeping an eye on moving forward. Maybe Miami's like, hey, less changeups this year more curves and, and just get the fastball command back to where it needs to be. So something definitely to uh, look at here moving forward. Next on the docket, keep it with on the left-hand side of things, Clayton Kershaw, much older obviously than Lazardo, but I think everybody that bought the excuse me, the Kershaw discount this year because, you know, he's a little bit older, maybe he retires, you know, can't give you – you can't count on him for 150-plus innings anymore – Whatever the reason was for the and probably a combination of all that for his discount on draft day, and I got a few shares of him. I wish I had more. Everyone has to be extremely excited with that first start. Obviously, seven innings, seven perfect innings with 13 strikeouts, only 80 pitches. So maybe Roberts could have left him in there, but you know, this time I'm okay with him being taken out just because don't overwork Kershaw's first start of the year. You know, we've like I said, we've seen him how durable. He's struggled to be over the years. But at the same time, if you can get 130 innings out of Clayton Kershaw, which is what he gave you, well, he gave you 121 and two-thirds last year. If you can get back up to 130, 140, 150 innings, 26, 27, 28 starts, 
that's still a top 25 arm with how good he still is. You're talking about a guy that has a 248 career ERA. Even last year, he was still very good last year. He had a 1.02 whip last year. ERA did go up 3.55, but I could see him back under three over a strikeout per inning. You saw him use that slider a ton in that first start, kind of similar thing to Lizardo, throw your best pitch most often, something you've tweeted about several times, Chris. So, yeah, I'm definitely buying right now on Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, no, I'm I'm on board with it. Even if he throws 120 innings, even if it's just that, I think the discount that you bought was legit. I mean, Kershaw's the type of pitcher that just gets the job done. He doesn't need elite velocity. You know, he's still got the stuff. So, you know, you look, and he, he limited the hard contact really well that outing. Obviously, the strikeouts were there too, 13 and 7 innings. And he's very efficient, which is also a big thing for somebody that's 34 years old and with an injury history like him. So being efficient is a huge ordeal for, for somebody like him. You know, the pitch mix is interesting to watch how it's really evolved over time. And I'm curious if it sticks. His slider usage was up about 11% from last year. And the forcing was down. I'm sorry, I misquoted. That was 11% from 2020. Just to make sure we make that clear. It was is up about 5% from last year. But the fastball usage is down, keeping the curveball usage pretty similar. And he threw the change up you know, just a couple times. So I'm curious if this sticks. Like, will he continue to go to the slider most? And it's another thing where, like, the slider is his best pitch, and there's no doubt about that. So he's consistently used it as his uh, most thrown offering since 2020. We saw it really – you know, his his forcing usage has just really decreased over time, and the, the slider usage just increased as, again – Throw your best pitch most often. So that's what he's doing. I'm buying what he did. I think this is just Pete Kershaw, and we're still seeing that. And again, he may have some IL stints, and that's okay. Like they want him for the playoffs, so they're probably going to baby him. And we saw them with this pulling him out in the seventh, which is fine. They're going to baby him to make sure they get the best Kershaw all year round. Yeah, and I actually, so I put up his Savant page and expanded going back his pitch mix. So back in his first three years in the league, 20, 2008, 2009, 2010, my God, that was so long ago. I, I, was a, I was a senior in high school in 2008 when he debuted, which is just insane to think about. But those first three years, his four-seam usage was over 70%. Since then, with the exception of a, a slight difference in like a few years ago, it's gone down every year. So it was 71.5% in 2010. And then since then, 653, 66, 60. 66, 55, 4, 50.9, 49.8 in 2016, 465, 42.1 in 2018. Then it slightly went back up to 43.9 in 2019. And then 48.8 in 2020, 36.7 in 2021, and 32.5 in his first start. So it's like basically with section of that one year, it's gone down every year since 2010. And the slider rate has up pretty much gone the other way. Uh, since then as well so obviously Kershaw is the perfect example of and and Felix Hernandez was kind of like this as well where you get in later on in your career you got a lot of miles on that arm can't really dominate with the fastball like you used to do when you were younger of transitioning from a thrower to a pitcher and adjusting your pitch mix to still have success even if you're not throwing as hard as you did five ten years ago and that's definitely the case with Kershaw he's averaged 89.9 this first start, and you know he was averaging ninety five, you know, back when he was younger, and 
He was still at 93.7, 94.3. At 94.3 in 2015, 92.8 in 2017. So you've seen that velocity decrease where he's still finding plenty of success. So definitely buying Kershaw right now. Especially if you're a dynasty contender, you could probably get Kershaw for still a, a pretty reasonable price tag. Obviously, you'll have to pay up to get him. You won't get it for cheap, but this is the type of guy that you can get for maybe a slight discount just because if he's, he's older and the mileage, and especially if he's on a team that's not contending, I definitely go look to try to get Clayton Kershaw right now. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side, talk some more pitchers, and get into some guys that are struggling to start the season and how worried we are on them with our first edition of the Worryometer. This is a fun little name we made up there. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Let's keep it with some veteran arms in the National League West now. And especially guys that were a discount during draft season, so we'll keep that theme going here with Carlos Rodon, a guy that had a dominant season last year. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball after having some ups and downs through the beginning of his career, both with consistency, with performance, and durability. But Carlos Rodon was absolutely dominant last year uh, for the White Sox. Came over to the Giants this offseason for a very good price for them. So great get for the Giants. Now, this is a guy last year that posted, uh, as I'm, my computer's glitching up here. Uh, see, last year he had a 2.37 ERA, 0.96 whip, and 185 Ks in 132 and two-thirds innings over 24 starts. That was a 34.6% K rate to just a 6.7% walk rate. A lot of the expected metrics backed up his performance as well. 268 XERA, 189 XBA, two, excuse me, 316 X slug. Definitely fastball slider, absolutely dominant. Mixes in the curveball every now and then as well. But he's off to, like I said, off to a great start through his first two with the Giants. 150 ERA, 0.75 whip, and 21 Ks in just 12 innings for a 46.7% K rate. Man, Rodon has been damn impressive so far, Chris. Yeah, and I think that if he stays healthy, we're looking at an easy SP1 here for fantasy purposes. But that's really the big thing is that he's just got to stay healthy. And, you know, last year was the first time in since 2018 that he broke 100 innings, and he peaked out at 132 last year. So you got to wonder this year, like, what has he got in, 150 maybe? You know, you bake yeah, in an right. aisle stint or two. But I think 150 innings of good Carlos Rodon are elite. And we saw him kind of give out down the stretch last year a bit. But I don't know if we're going to see that this year, you know, especially if he kind of stays healthy and pitches regularly throughout the season. I don't see why we don't see an SP1 type guy here. He really was an SP1 last year minus the innings. I mean, he still struck out 185 batters, and you mentioned the 2-3-7 ERA, a sub-1 whip, and now he's in a really pitcher-friendly environment. Like, nothing, those things matter a lot here. So for Rodone, I think we are looking at someone that can 
really blossom. He's just 29 years old. While this is like peak time for some pitchers, like this is when they really begin to take off is like the 28 to the prime for pitchers. I think now is like 28 to 32. We see so often. And maybe he's just getting in the midst of his prime now that he's maybe staying healthy. And, you know, again, there's a reason that he was drafted third overall in 2014. Like he was an ace in college at NC state. And, you know, while the results weren't great in his early parts of his career, injuries kind of played a huge part in that. You know, he's still been solid, and now we're finally seeing the breakout. So I think that this is every bit real. Obviously, he's not going to pitch to a 1-5 ERA all season, but we're still looking at a really solid pitcher here in Carlos Radon. Yeah, that slider is absolutely filthy. Especially rest of the season, who would you rather have, Rodone or we'll – go? I'll, I'll test you here. Max Freed. It's just the floor versus ceiling argument, which sucks, but you know, that's really what it is here. So I think Freed's the higher floor, and you have Rodone as the higher ceiling. I mean, I trust Freed to pitch more innings. And will Rodone be that much better in 30, 40 less innings? I don't know. I do think it's close, but with pitchers, I think sometimes like it's important to go with with upside in this. Like we were looking at this range, so I think I'll go with Rodone. All right, how about uh, go to another lefty here, Rodone or Robbie Ray? Right now, it looks like Rodone. I mean, Ray's not really looking so hot, and I know it's only been what, two starts, but still, I think it's worth noting here that you know Ray's velo down. He he's walking more guys, so I, I lean Rodone. Last one. Let's go Rodone or Shane McClanahan. Who I, I think they're going to be very similar, honestly. Like, I think they're going to throw a similar amount of innings, big strikeouts. I think I'll lean Rodone for ratios, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. Uh, I just, in my starting pitcher rankings, I just bumped Rodone up to 21, which is just ahead of McClanahan, uh, just behind Max Freed, though. So, yeah, but it's, it's all these all guys are very close, right around like, 17 to 23 in my rankings. So, uh, yeah, Rodon's looked at absolutely impressive here to start the season. Well, moving on, some younger – actually, no, one more, excuse me, one more veteran guy here, but a name that is not nearly as, you know, sexy as Rodon and Kershaw and all them, but someone that definitely needs more love than he has shown in fan circles. That's Kyle Gibson of the Phillies. I believe – is it Spore? That's the big Kyle Gibson guy. Somebody's a big Kyle Gibson guy in the industry. I want to say it's Paul Sporer. I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But regardless, Gibson has been very good in his first two starts. 3.09 ERA in 11 and two-thirds innings with a 0.86 whip. But most importantly, because last year, he was pretty good. Like last year, he had in 31 uh, starts, 100, he won 182 innings. So that's great. He had 196 innings a few years ago, 194 a few before that. So he's, he's shown he can go you know, 180-plus innings. Yeah, 371 ERA last year, 1.22 whip. You know, that's solid. Not great, but that's those are solid ratios. But only 155 Ks in those 182 innings, which is a 20.6% K rate. He's all, always been kind of around 20%, give or take. A couple percentage points either way. His career high coming into this year was a 22.7% strikeout rate back in 2019, which is still a little bit below league average. So that was kind of what held him back from being a – you know, an act, a guy that you can count on to be one of the top guys or even one of the top six or seven guys in your staff. He's more like a streamer or a back-end starter, but 
so far this year, yeah, it's just two starts, but a 37.2% strikeout rate. And that's largely due to his whiff rates are up on a lot of his pitches here. Change up 53.3%. Sinker's 43.8. That's obviously not going to stick because it's a sinker. Um, and then cutter 35.7 and slider 33.3, which is funny because the slider being fourth here in whiff rate for him through two starts, that was his best whiff rate offering last year by a mile at 43%, with the next highest being 275 uh, which is his curveball, which he's only thrown three times. Already. So you think he's basically got rid of the curveball. But overall, if he can, even if he can just be 25, 26% K rate, mid three ERA, that could be like a back end top 50 starter here. So definitely, you know, loving what Kyle Gibson's doing so far this year. Yeah. I'm, I think this whiff rate on the sinker is definitely going to come down. Like that's not a pitch that you sustain. Exactly. 44% (laughs) whiff rate. But I do like that he's mixing that cutter more, like using that uh, more often than he was last year. And that's been a really good pitch for him. It was a really good pitch last year too. So using that cutter and slider a good bit is, is really awesome to see. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by Gibson. I'm not sure how much of this sustains. Obviously, you know, he's not going to pitch at this kind of level. I don't think he's more than a strikeout in the inning guy, but he doesn't need to be where you drafted him. You know, he was going like mid 300s. Yeah. So that's a, a bargain. And I think many thought that he was going to fall off. And, you know, he did kind of fall off down the stretch last year, especially once he moved to Philadelphia. You know, he had a 287 ERA in Texas in 19 starts and then went to. Philadelphia and in 12 starts there, a 509 ERA. So I think that was really one of the big things of why he went lower in drafts. So maybe this does work out. I, I think even if he pitches to a four ERA with a strikeout per inning, I would call it a win for Kyle Gibson. Oh, for sure. Especially where you, where you drafted him. And he, even if he's 25% carry, that is just so much better than what he's shown in the past. So he kind of falls into that same range as like what I was talking about earlier with Connor Joe and CJ Crone, where if you are a contending team, these are the guys. Yeah, it's always good to have the young talent. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if you're a contender, rebuilder, or somewhere in the middle. You got to have that young talent to build around. But as a contender, these are the guys you fill in your roster with, the guys that can help you win now and you know while the young guys are developing. So He's a guy that you can probably get for a pretty reasonable price tag and do so now before he has another couple of good starts because the price tag will only go up from here probably. So, yeah, definitely very impressed with the the higher K rate, higher whiff rate for him this year. Obviously, he's not going to stick at 30 plus percent, but, yeah, even 25%, I would take that with solid ratios all day long. All right, now let's get over some of the younger guys here. Now, we got three young guys here, Matt Brash, Yohan Duran, and Kyle Wright. Let's start with Matt Brash. He pitched again today, and it was a uh, very interesting outing. He had five walks in five innings today, but was still showcasing that filthy, filthy stuff that he is known for, the slider, the four-seamer, the knuckle curve. And this was against a very good Houston lineup as well that he kind of kept in check. Overall here, uh, his line was uh, five and a third innings. Oh, he actually had six walks. So five and a third innings, two hits, two earned runs, one home run allowed, Six walks and five Ks, four hard hit balls. So definitely a mixed bag. But after, you know, he had a very good first start. Obviously, he's pumping you know upper nineties wiffle ball, breaking balls here. But you know, that's the one thing that I was kind of reserved about was the command and control issues that still seem to be kind of there. So where are you at on Matt Brash right now, Chris? Do you think 
it'd be a good time to sell high on him? Or are you holding because you think this is the real deal? He's going to be a stud moving forward. I think he's the real deal because I think the stuff is some of the best in, in baseball. And I think that I'm pretty sure after his last start, Eno Sayers' stuff plus model had him as the best stuff among any pitcher. And, you know, even when he's off, he still had a, a 35% CSW today, which is yeah, it's pretty it's, stinking good. Yeah. He still had 21 called strikes, which is, I'd say, a pretty good number there. You know, all things considered, with you know how many walks that he you know, distributed there. And you know, as you mentioned, the movement on those pitches – and the velo on the fastball is there. So I think I'm holding because I think that, you know, there's better days ahead. And I think he's going to have his ups and downs. Like this is a good Astros lineup too that he was facing. I know it was without Jordan today, but still it's a, it's a really solid lineup. And I thought he held his own pretty well. So overall, considering he walked six batters, he only allowed two earned runs. I would say that was a pretty good outing there for, for Matt Brash. He limits the hard contact pretty well. And he's going to get a ton of whiffs. So, you know, this may be an anomaly of walks. He's going to walk a lot of batters. Like he's going to probably post a you know, 10 to 11% walk rate when it's all said and done. But I think the stuff is so good. I don't think it matters. Yeah. No, the stuff is absolutely filthy. Just go, go look at, you know, Rob Friedman, the pitching ninjas page. You'll see all the gifts of all the breaking balls and the fastball and the movement and all of them. Like I said, they're wiffle ball breaking balls. It's almost unfair. The movement that Matt Brash gets in all of his pitches, but you know, I'm kind of in the middle of of this. Yeah, I do believe that he's filthy and he's going to be a very good arm. But same time, I wonder if he's always going to be held back a little bit by that that control. And obviously today, like you mentioned, it was still a good start, giving up two earned runs against Houston despite the six walks. So I don't know. I guess I, I would entertain the thought of selling high. I guess it obviously would depend on what the price tag is. But I do think long term he could settle in as a. Oh, what's a fair range here? Do you think Matt Brash can be a top 25 arm, Chris? Is that fair? I would say that's probably an 80th percentile outcome for him. Yeah. But the stuff is definitely there. I would say that he's got the stuff to be a top 15 starter. I'd say top 25 is a reasonable outcome, but I feel more comfortable saying like he's consistently a, a top 40 type guy. So is he like a poor man's Freddie Peralta? Well, I mean, with how Peralta's been, yeah. yeah. And we'll, we'll get we'll get into him soon, like I mentioned. But, yeah, so Matt Brash, filthy, but you're still a little bit of red flag for me, for sure. But we'll see how he progresses. Second start, so I'm not going to harp on it too much. But definitely there's something to uh, just keep an eye on moving forward, let's say. Uh, next one here, Kyle Wright. Oh, my word, has Kyle Wright looked so damn good so far this year. And all of my... I, it was funny. I, was, I posted my top player shares that so you can look at on NFBC. Kyle Wright was one of my most rostered players just because I was picking up a ton of him in you know best balls and, and DCs super late, like 40th, whatever round, just because I thought there'd be a chance he'd start the season with Atlanta and just give you some starts. And he's shown, you know, he's always been a you know guy that showed good stuff in the minor leagues, but command and control was something that held him back as well. But in his first two starts with Atlanta this year, he has been one of the best pitchers in baseball from a fantasy perspective here. And these are against Cincinnati and San Diego were his two starts. Am I getting that? Yes, um, you're right. Okay. So it gets two pretty good offenses there. And 11 innings pitched, 164 ERA, 0.73 whip, and 15 Ks in 11 innings, 35.7% K rate. But most importantly, only a 2.4% walk rate. This is a guy – 
and it was very sporadic in his first four major league seasons. But the walk rates were 21.4%, 14%, 14.3, 14.3. Last year, he had a 995 ERA. Again, it was always sporadic start here, there, some bullpen work as well. But very intrigued by you know him this year, especially moving forward, because he's really been utilizing that sinker, curveball, and changeup mix predominantly. Mixes in a few sliders, but the curveball, 41.9% whiff rate, changeup, 38.5% so far. He's always been a guy that's got the whiffs, but if that command and control are, are there to stay, or at least maybe he's not a 2.4% walk rate guy, but even if he's like, I don't know, 7 8%, I think he can be a very valuable starter moving forward. Well, yeah, and you know, really I think with Wright, it was a lot of confidence, and you know, they gave him the ball in the World Series last year, and you know, it was kind of a risky call, but he pitched well, and I think it was enough to really – gain that confidence that he needed and you're right he's reworked the arsenal completely and the curveball's a totally different pitch than the curveball we saw last year which is also a pretty big deal and you look and you know the curveball is getting really good horizontal movement it's getting i mean solid a vertical movement but really good horizontal movement and the change up is you know i would say elite movement you know you're looking at you know, 35 inches of, of vertical drop on the changeup and 18 inches of, of run on it, that's you know, really, really solid. So, And those are all major strides from last year. I don't, I don't know how he reworked it like he did, but you look at in last year and his, you know, his movement is up significantly on both of those pitches, especially the changeup. The changeup is drastically better. It's, you know, and the results are there too to back that up. But you know, if that sticks, then... I think he's going to be really solid. And you're right. Like, I think we grabbed him in a couple of the DCs that we drafted together in like the 500 range. And yeah, I, I really like what I've seen so far because, you know, he's going to the sinker when he needs to, when he needs to get out. So he can put the ball on the ground with the sinker. And then he goes to the changeup. He's getting whiffs, goes to the curve. He's getting whiffs too. And, you know, he's throwing the slider you know, not very often, 7% of the time so far. So hard to really say that he's using the slider at all. But when he has, the results have been there. He's got you know, 66% whiff rate on on that pitch. So I do think Wright is legit from what we've seen just based on the changes in the arsenal. And if he's somehow still available, like you should go and, and really break the bank because I don't, I don't think that pitchers with this kind of upside are sitting on the wire very often. And this is important to think too. Like we just talk about over and over and over again, but like this is a pitcher that is 26 years old and it's just taken him a while to come into his own. And here he is and he's putting it all together and he's just impressed. So the offseason work paid off whatever he did because the reworking the arsenal has been huge. The movement on the changeup is very impressive. And I really do think that this is something that can stick for right. I don't think he's going to stick at this low Walk rate, like you mentioned, at 2.4%. But I don't care if he's 8 or 9% because if the stuff is this good, then it's not going to matter in my opinion. Absolutely. And that's another good arm for that Atlanta rotation to go behind Anderson and Morton and Freed. That's a, be, if he, it, that's a, a thing, too. He can just be their number four, number five starter. There's no pressure on being the guy because they have all the other guys ahead of him. So 
definitely yeah. buying this. And they need it too. Like they, especially without Soroka. And I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard somebody told me they, they have a source within the program that they're concerned Soroka doesn't ever pitch again in his career. So, you know, that would be oh, wow. a, a humongous blow. And, and it makes sense in a way where like, what other athlete has ever torn their Achilles twice and, and played again in any sport? I really can't Not, think of any. I, I've known some that have done it once, but yeah. yeah, twice, I can't think of any. Yeah, and it's such a critical part of your body for a pitcher too, which is crazy, like just that, you know, right there in, in your foot. But like it's so critical, and I don't I don't know if there was a lot of truth to that, but I, I was told that, that there, there's some concern that he never pitches again in his career, which would be absolutely insane. But the, the fact that that's even like somewhat of a concern is just very right. telling. Yes. That's, that's, that's just eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. That, that should tell you everything you need to know. So yeah, if you're in like a shallower dynasty league, I got to say that if you, if like only 400 players total are rostered, like I would probably consider dropping Soroka unless yeah. you just have a, an easy bench spot or I, unless you have the IL spot to stash. I'm like, I don't know. It just, it really concerns me. Which yeah, I hate because talented young arm, but right. No, absolutely. I've I've kind of I'm kind of there with you. Moving on here, a couple more names. We'll go quickly so we can get to the worry meter here. Have the Dodgers fixed Andrew Heaney? You know, I, I tweeted earlier that there was three pitchers in draft season that I, I labeled as crappy but had hype around them for various reasons. They were <laughs> they were Mitch Keller, Patrick Corbin, and Andrew Heaney. Keller and Corbin have not been good so far. But Andrew Heaney, which I didn't realize until so, so it was kind of pointed out on Twitter, Andrew Heaney has been absolutely dominant through his first two starts of the season for the Dodgers. Has not given up an earned run yet through 10 in the third innings. 0.68 whip, 16 strikeouts in those 10 in the third innings for a 27.8% K rate. And no walks yet. No walks, no home runs. He is just looking absolutely right. The Dodgers apparently can fix anybody. Uh, so far, he's been working primarily with the four seam and the curveball, a combined 91.1% of the time. Mixes in a, in a slider and a changeup here and there, but he's only thrown a few of those. But 45% whiff rate on the curve, 46.2 on the four seamer, which obviously will probably come down. But man, is Andrew Heaney back, Chris? Are you buying back in? I don't know. I feel like he's going to have a huge blow up before long. Like, I know everyone's going to buy it and get all excited, and then, then it blows up. I mean, the whiff rate has, you know, been impressive. I mean, his whiff rate is 96 percentile among all pitchers. That's obviously a big ordeal. He's using the curveball. Like, he's nearly doubled the usage. He's actually over doubled the usage from last year. So that's obviously played a huge part, too, in a small sample. He's, you know, exclusively gone to curve and four-seam. Yeah, he's thrown the slider and change up just a couple times. So, I don't know, man. He's he certainly looked the part, but I'm concerned that this doesn't really stick. <laughs> yeah, sell high is the thing I'm saying right now because I don't think this is going to stick. Obviously, not to this level. That, that's immediately obvious. But maybe he's not as bad as he has been the last few years. But there's just still so many red flags in the profile. And it's good that he hasn't walked anybody yet. Hasn't given up a home run. The home run has been always been a huge issue for him, but I think now might be a good time to see if you can sell high or maybe give it another few starts and then sell high. But yeah, I, I can't see him 
maintaining success. I don't know. The Dodgers are a great pitching development organization, obviously. So are the Giants. You know, it's something out there in the NL West. But I don't know. It's just so many, so much bad history with Heaney. He's, he's still only 30 years old. I get it. You know, velocity has still been pretty solid, at least for him. 91-2. It is down a little bit, but that's, you know, not like a huge drop from 92 last year, but I don't know. I think he's a two-pitch guy now using the changeup less than he did uh, in years past. Changeup has always been like 15 to 20% usage rate. It's down, you know, it's at 4.5% this year. So I don't know. I think it's been a, it's a good few starts, but I don't really see this continuing. So if you can, I'd sell high. Last name here before we get into the world meter, Yoan Duran, you know, he has a, only has a 5.4 ERA, but that's not why we're talking about him. He looks absolutely filthy so far, hundred averaging a hundred point three miles an hour on his four seamer, and that splinker, which is, is a fun thing to say, I must say splinker as much as I possibly can, is ninety around ninety six miles an hour with a ton of movement. Just go look at you know Pitching Ninja and see all the movement on that. And he's got a fifty five point six percent whiff rate on that pitch, ninety six point three average. You mix in the eighty five on our curveball as well. So right now he's in the committee with Pagan and a few others, but is Duran a potential elite closer moving forward? I think that's the question. I think he could be. Maybe. I don't think the Twins want to commit to anybody, and that's probably my concern, but it does seem like he probably is a full-blown reliever at this point. That's okay because that can be useful. I think we always want to think of these pitching prospects and that they should stick as starters. But, you know, I think it's okay if he sticks as a reliever because the stuff really plays up there. I'm not sure if, when he takes the role. I don't think it's imminent, but Agreed. I do think he could grab some saves. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended the season with, you know, eight to ten saves. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. And in the long term, maybe he is that guy or at least, you know, one of the guys. And he's a even a 15-20 save guy moving forward. Like, those guys are still very valuable I think he can give you a ton of strikeouts, good ratios. So, yeah, definitely. Yohan Duran went from a starting pitching prospect with some red flags in the profile to potentially elite reliever with that fastball splinker combination. See, I'm, I'm going to say splinker, which I can. I told you that. Uh, so, definitely, yeah. Buy some Duran right now this is just to see where it goes. All right. Let's get into the last segment of the show the first annual or first, whatever, first Wario meter. Of the season, people are, it's only, we're only a week and a half into the season, but everyone's overreacting. You know, everyone's guilty of it. Chris and I are guilty of it. Everyone overreacts to some degree. But let's start with, you know, I put out a tweet earlier from our, the uh, Fantrax Toolshed account on Twitter saying, like, all right, who are you most worried about so far? And we have some common names on there. So we will go through those names and see how worried we are. We'll go like a scale, we'll do like a scale of one to 10. 10 being very worried, one being not so worried, obviously. The first name, the name that we had the most of, which I alluded to earlier, was Freddie Peralta, who is just off to a terrible uh, start to the season here for the Milwaukee Brewers after being, I think it was a top 10, top 15 pitcher last year, even in limited innings. But through his first two starts, he has a 11.57 ERA and a 2.29 whip. I think his ERA was lower than that last year. What was his ERA last year? A uh, 2.81, but 2.29 whip. He's still getting the strikeouts, though. Whiff rate's still there, but the, he's just walking so many guys so far. 16.2% walk rate. 
So the, the fastball command, like look at the Savant page. Fastball is all over the place. Really, besides the changeup, sliders and changeup are solid. Curveball is all over the place. Four-seamers all over the place. So on a scale of 1 to 10, Chris, how worried are you about Freddie Peralta moving forward? Maybe like a 6. Yeah. Uh, well, my concern is the word on the street is that the Brewers were very heavy, sticky substance users. And when you saw them go through the rotation the first time and Burns struggled and Woodruff struggled and then Peralta struggled, it was like, huh, this is interesting. And then obviously Burns and Woodruff were okay. So I think there's a chance that he gets back on track. And maybe this is just a classic case of just the shorter spring training, not the full ramp-up time. I don't know. I, I am slightly concerned. It is a limited sample, though, so I probably shouldn't be concerned. But the fastball location is a major, major ordeal. So I don't know. I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, so maybe a five is a better number. I'll go three, eh, three and a half. I'll go 3.5 here. You know, the spin rates are down a little bit, but not down a ton. I think it was the slider is down. Oh, what is that? About 115 RPMs from last year. They're all like right around 100 RPMs down, give or take. So that's a little bit of a drop. Not drastic. We've seen that much more drastic for like Shane Bieber, for instance. He's done multiple hundred on all of his pitches. But the fact that he's still getting the whiffs. His changeup and curveball are both above 50% whiff rate right now. But yeah, that four-seamer is an issue so far. And that was a, one of his better pitches last year, 156 batting average against, 308 slug through the first two starts, 286 and 429 respectively. Said so that command. And maybe the sticky stuff is more so a detriment to his command than the spin rates. So, yeah, I'm a little worried. But then again, I think he still can be a top 20 starter the rest of the way. So with the K rate he's capable of, uh, that he's shown over the last couple of years, I think that, the walk rate's what I'm worried about because he already was a you know a slightly higher walk rate guy in general, but you got by with the low ratios and the elite strikeouts. But if that walk rate keeps getting higher and higher and it's above ten percent, like the last three years he was like nine six nine seven nine seven, if he's back up to like twelve thirteen percent, that is definitely worrisome because it's very hard to be a good starter, let alone a top twenty starter with that rate. So. That's the one thing. The walk rate is the the main thing I'm going to look at here in his, in his next few starts. But I'll go three and a half. So I am worried, but not too worried quite yet. The other pitcher here that was a very common one was Trevor Rogers. So Chris, Trevor Rogers, how worried on, are you on him? I'm not very worried. I think that he's a he's a different type of pitcher than Peralta is. And I think Rogers will be okay. We saw last year you know, what he was capable of. And obviously both guys were huge breakouts, but I do think the the stuff in the profile for Rogers is a little less concerning. I know he's not been great. Obviously the walks have been there. He's not striking out guys, but I think overall that he has a better chance of bouncing back. I'd still probably say a four here, like four out of 10 concern, but I do think that he'll be fine long-term. We're just looking at a small sample. He dealt with a lot of things last year. Again, the the shorter spring training could be a factor. And really, we haven't really seen him pitch all that much, just six innings this year. So I think he'll be okay. I'm not not overly worried about him. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. I'm not I'll I'm kind of similar. I'll say you know, three or four again with Trevor Rogers. Now, one thing that the movement on his pitches has kind of been altered a little bit. He's not getting quite as much drop on the changeup about two inches less drop than last year 
And the slider has gotten more horizontal movement than it did last year. Like last year, uh, he was 1.7 inches of horizontal break on the slider. This year, 10.2. So I don't know if that was, you know, something he was working on, kind of, you know, adjust the shape of the slider. I know we'll see how that looks moving forward. But the fact that he, and he hasn't gotten a single whiff on his changeup yet, and he's thrown it 33 times so far in his two starts, 29 to righties, 44 to lefties. But whiff rate is still over 30% on, on his other two pitches. And he's never been a huge whiff rate guy. Even last year when he was, you know, had a very good year, 30.7% whiff rate is good, but it's not like elite by any means. And this year's down to 24.2. So I don't know. I'm not too worried on him yet either. So I'm, I'll say slightly worried on both him and Peralta, but if you can go out and get them, you know, buy low on both of them right now, I definitely was. I think definitely this probably could be the lowest time or lowest price you see for them moving forward for both this year and for dynasty purposes. So go out and get them if you can for the cheap. Moving over to the hitting side of things, the most common name we saw for, um, in response to this tweet for hitters was Gleber Torres of the Yankees, who is just absolutely terrible to start the year. 36 plate appearances. He's slashing 161, 229, 323, one home run, which is accounts for his only run scored, two RBI, zero steals after we saw him run a little bit more last year. You know, some of the under the hood metrics are still actually pretty solid, though. So I'm, you know, I'm not worried much at all. I, I'll say, in terms of performance, two and a half. Well, I guess it depends on worried as opposed to like what you expect. Like, because I, I don't have high expectations for him in general. I think he's a solid fantasy player, not great. I think he's more of a guy that's like your middle infield type of guy, not a starter at second or shortstop. But look under the hoods, barrel rate's actually up from last year. Up to nine point five percent. His XBA is actually three hundred four. X slug is five forty one. He has a forty seven point six percent hard hit rate, which is the best of his career. He is striking out a bit more, and the walk rate is down a little bit, which attributes to his struggle so far. But yeah, under the hood is actually not too bad. So I'm not worried much at all about Gleyber Torres, as opposed to what I expect to him at least. No, I mean he's hitting the ball really hard. I think he's had a lot of bad luck factor in, and yeah, you know, it's easy to say when you've only had twenty one batted balls, but. You know, he has two barrels. He has a 47.6% hard hit rate, which would be highest of his career by 10% if that stuck. I do think he's being a little more aggressive, which I like. He's swinging more. Obviously, that's coming a little higher strikeout rate, but you know, I'm I'm not totally against this profile of him swinging, being a little more aggressive. I think that could benefit him. He's swinging at the first pitch way more. So, you know, his career, he's – he was around 30% before he's 56.3% first pitch swing right now. The whiff rates pretty similar to the lat to his career. Honestly, like he's, he's actually below his career number, which I think is a, a good thing. So I think better days are ahead for Glaber. His XBA is three Oh four. As I mentioned earlier in the show, it's too early to really quote that, but I think that is worth noting when you see, see a 161 average and a three Oh four expected average. So I think he'll be okay. I think he's going to be a 260 hitter that hits 20 home runs and chips in a couple steals. I'm not expecting a huge season, but I think he'll be solid. Yeah, no, definitely agree with you there. One more pitcher that I completely skipped over here that was a common response to our tweet was Zach Wheeler, who has pitched to a 939 ERA through his first two starts with a 183 whip, 7.2 innings of works, only six strikeouts. And this is not the, the big thing with him is the velocity 
It's down 2.2 miles an hour from last year. It's 97.2 last year, 95 this year. So I'm, I'm wondering if he's still working to get ramped back up from that shoulder soreness kind of limited him in spring training and made his debut a little bit delayed this year. So again, I'm not too worried with him either. I might say a little more, I'll say like four and a half on a scale one to 10 with Wheeler, but I'm kind of in the mindset that he's still just kind of ramping back up. What, what, what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think so too. I think that plays a major factor in it and people are, you know, going to be highly concerned about the velo being down, but you know, still with the velo down, averaging ninety five on the four scene, which I think is is fine. Like he can live with that, but I do think we see it tick back up. You you have to factor in the injury, everything that went on in the spring, and think he probably needs a couple more starts before we can say anything. So I'm like at a a two or three. So I'll say two and a half. Yeah, so not too worried. On Zach Wheeler. So again, all these guys we've talked about so far, I think are solid by lows if you can, both in redraft and dynasty for sure. Uh, last couple of names here on the list. Uh, we'll keep it on the pitching side of things. Jose Barrios. This is his first full year in the American League East with Toronto after coming over from Minnesota uh, later last year at the deadline. But first two starts have not been good whatsoever here. In those two starts, he has a oh, – my computer's still on. So you have to cut this, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to stall until my, the page would load. There we go. What is going on with Savon right now? In his first two starts, he has an 11.81 ERA in five and a third innings with a 263 whip. He's getting hit very hard. That's the thing I'm looking at here. 25% bail rate. Again, it's two starts, it's five to third innings, but 25% barrel rate, a 916 X-Lug, 55% hard hit rate. Like his XERA is actually higher, 14.64, which is just ridiculous to think about. So out of all the names we've talked about so far, I am the most worried on Barrios. I'll say a six on Barrios because I was wondering how that move full-time to the American League East would be for him. It's the hardest division in baseball. Even facing Baltimore is no easy task with the like, decent lineup they have, plus that ballpark. What a good hitters park. What a good hit, what a good hitting lineups in this division. So that was something that reason why I didn't have many Brio shares. And obviously he's going to be better than this, obviously. But I am a bit more worried for him. So I'll say a six for Burrios. How about you? Yeah, he's always been one of these like super consistent guys. It hasn't been like elite ever, and he was really good when he came over to Toronto last season when when he was traded but that really hasn't stuck you know the good thing is like his velo is actually up it was down in the spring which was a major concern so maybe he was a little behind too but you know the velo is up a hair which is on the fastball which i think is is good it's i mean not noticeably up but it's up so you know it's not like he's he's lagging behind there hurt or anything like that yeah i just i think that this is just a classic case of you know early season struggles and he He's well, he's faced the Yankees and then the Rangers. So obviously that Rangers outing was the first of the year. He didn't even make it out of an inning, just a third of an inning there, and allowed four and runs, which wasn't good. And then the Yankees start was okay. I mean, you know, pitched five innings, allowed three earned runs, three walks and five K's, two home runs kind of got him. But I think he'll be okay. i I don't I just don't know if you're expecting him to be 
an SP one, like high in SP two, then maybe it's like a six or seven, but I think he's a solid mid rotation guy for fantasy. And for that, I'd say I'm like a two or three. Yeah. But I think the, just the common expectation was for him to be a high end too, at least from where he was being drafted or at least a mid range too. So yeah, I, I think he's more of a three this year in, in the AL East. I think he's a, you know, three, seven, three, eight, three, nine ERA guy. Good, but not great strikeout rate. I think this is what he is. But yeah, move to the AL East was full time is one that did worry me a bit. Last name on the list here, postseason hero for your Atlanta Braves, Chris, Mr. Eddie Rosario, off to a putrid start so far. He has one hit in his first 30 plate appearances. You know, the approach is still solid in terms of the walk and K rate. The walker's actually gone up to 13.3% this year. But the whiff rate's up. The quality of contact metrics are all terrible. So I'll, I'll hand it over to you here for, for this one, Christmas season, <laughs> Atlanta Brave. How worried are you on Eddie Rosario right now? Yeah, I don't I don't know what in the world is is going on here. It's it's not good, I can tell you that much. That's that's easy to to see. Really, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is just the lack of swinging. He's been you know, really passive. And I mentioned some of the guys, I think it's good like for Glaber to swing more. But Rosario is is not swinging at all, and this is kind of what we saw Christian Yelich do in 2020 when we saw his like downward ascent just stop swinging. You know, first pitch swinging just 23 percent of the time, as opposed to a career 39 percent. His overall swing rate of 40 percent, as opposed to a career of 56.6 percent. Those are concerning. He's swinging less and he's whiffing more. So obviously when you kind of put those two together, you're bound to get bad results. So those things factoring in, obviously I think he's getting being a little too passive, getting deep into counts, and he just can't really do much with the pitches that he's getting. And you mentioned, I mean, he's not striking out at a super high rate, just 16.7%. He's walking at 13.3%, which would be by far a career high. Like he's not a high OBP guy by any means, but – I do think that he's walking because he's just being way too passive. So I, I'm i concerned, but I think that we'll kind of see him come around and he'll be okay if he starts getting a little more aggressive, but I'd probably at like a five on him. Okay, that's fair, yeah. I didn't, I didn't have like huge expectations for Rosario anyway this year. Like I thought he'd be a you know, decent fantasy player, but he's not like a guy you build your team around, no. so... So I, I think there's still, you know, a bit obviously it's early, it's only thirty-one plate appearances, but I think he can still can get to the level ex- expected of him. So in terms of for that, I'll say if, I'll say I'm probably a three or a four. But again, I just didn't have super high you know expectations for him in general. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to everyone for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantasy Pros, Fantrax HQ, or over on our Patreon. And check out our YouTube, of course. A lot of good stuff there as well. And join us again next time for more Fantasy Baseball Talk, which will be on Wednesday with our special Prospects to Stash episode. That'll be a fun one. But until then, everyone take care. Hey, me. 
MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?